Chapter thirty two of A History of Astronomy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in November two thousand twenty. A History of Astronomy by Walter W. Bryant. Chapter thirty two Stellar Spectroscopy. A full account of the growth of stellar spectroscopy would take us too far from the purpose of this little book, and it is not easy to find a suitable place to consider it as a whole. It has been necessary to refer to spectroscopic inquiries in connection with various problems, and to quote such matters as spectral types, which should perhaps have been explained in an earlier chapter it seems advisable to deal briefly with this matter in a separate chapter instead of overloading the text with footnotes we may here repeat the elementary propositions implied in our notices of solar spectroscopy a continuous spectrum infers incandescence of a body either solid or divided into solid particles or gaseous if non-transparent a spectrum of bright lines denotes an incandescent gaseous transparent mass if an incandescent body is surrounded by a cooler gaseous atmosphere as in the case of the sun we have the effect of absorption the continuous spectrum being crossed by dark lines in the positions in which the surrounding gas if alone would show bright lines a gaseous mass under pressure presents an irregular spectrum partly bright and partly shaded it is evident therefore that the spectroscope cannot absolutely determine whether a body is solid or gaseous and it is quite probable that stars similar to the sun are entirely gaseous while the abnormal appearances caused by pressure give rise to considerable uncertainty in the interpretation of certain spectra some lines being widened symmetrically some unsymmetrically by being intensified at one side only giving an appearance of shifting some fringed and some suppressed altogether banded spectra are attributed to the presence of compounds the first classification of stellar spectra was due to angelo secchi in eighteen sixty three and was based principally on the prominence of blue yellow or red in the spectrum his first and most numerous type contains white or bluish white stars like sirius and vega showing a colored spectrum with broad bands of hydrogen and fine metallic lines in the brighter stars type two consists of yellowish stars as capello and arcturus whose spectra resemble that of the sun type three principally of red stars as antares showing hazy bands and dark lines later secchi distinguished a fourth type deep red stars with a spectrum consisting principally of a collection of lines in the yellow and red resembling a band with another faint band in the blue and a bright one in the green these are called carbon stars wolf rayet stars named from their co-discoverers at the paris observatory were later still ascribed to a fifth type their spectra are composite as if a continuous spectrum had superposed on it an absorption and an emission spectrum 
denoting glowing gas under peculiar pressure conditions. This is one of the types almost confined to the Milky Way. H. C. Vogel of Potsdam, formerly of Botkamp, introduced subdivisions of these classes, merging the Wolf-Rayet stars into the second class. Thus, 1A is as described above for the first type. 1B is similar, but the hydrogen lines are missing. 1C shows both hydrogen and helium lines. This class also is more frequent in the Milky Way. Similarly, class 2 is in two divisions, the second containing the Wolf-Rayet stars. Class 3 is also divided, according as the bands are more prominent at the red or violet end. It will easily be inferred what is meant by Syrian, Solar, Antarian, and Helium stars. A far more complete classification has been adopted for use in the Draper Memorial Catalogue, Miss Morey having recognized that the boundary between one class and another was often no more prominent than variations among stars ascribed to one class. This Harvard subdivision is more minute, therefore, and the number of groups is 22, each subdivided into classes. Five of the groups belong to a helium type called Orion stars, as most of the bright stars in that constellation belong to it. They are rich in hydrogen lines, but show also nearly a hundred others, mostly not identified with any known elements. In addition to all these gradations are many stars assigned to a convenient temporary class, called stars with peculiar spectra. The recognition of characteristic spectra in the work of the Draper catalogue is responsible for the large number of variables, and comparatively also of new stars, announced from time to time by Professor Pickering and Mrs. Fleming. But having reached this classification, the next step is to interpret it, and here, as is often the case in partly speculative work, authorities differ. One order of development, assuming an original nebular condition, makes Orion or Helium stars the first stage, as they appear to be of low density and frequently have nebulous appendages. All seem enveloped in helium, but they are graded by Miss Morey, according as they show more and more decided traces of rather denser materials as silicon, calcium and magnesium. A few also disclose oxygen absorption, but in general practically no atmosphere is present, as there is outside the sun's photosphere. Very little atmosphere is shown by the next group, Syrian stars, so their spectra are traversed by fewer lines than that of the sun, but those of hydrogen are so conspicuous that a star of this class, Vega, was the first to have its spectrum photographed by Huggins in 1879 disclosing a series of lines only completely obtained with difficulty in the laboratory by M. A. Cornu, using a strong spark through a tube of pure hydrogen. This set of lines was the first to be recognized as a series, with wavelengths obeying some sort of law. If, from a given point outside a given straight line, a set of other straight lines be drawn, each making with its neighbor the same small angle, 
they will intersect the given straight line in points whose consecutive distances increase faster and faster away from the foot of the perpendicular from the given point huggins hydrogen series divides the spectrum in a similar manner and balmer's law published in eighteen eighty five is an empirical law approximately representing the numerical facts other series have been found for other substances also obeying balmer's law and in particular a second series of hydrogen lines was picked out by pickering in eighteen ninety seven in the spectrum of zeta puppis adjudged to belong to the helium group as this series has not yet been produced artificially its identification rests on the fact that it is exactly similar to the huggins series just as in the case of a point and a line a fresh series could be obtained by using a slightly different angle starting from the same perpendicular this digression has rather taken us away from the syrian type but we may note the stages of evolution through various classes of this group by the relatively diminishing prominence of the hydrogen lines and the increasing show of metallic ones sirius itself shows an overwhelming preponderance of hydrogen lines with a few enhanced lines of silicon and magnesium and some others the term enhanced is applied by Lockyer to lines which show more strongly in spark spectra than in arc spectra obtained from the same substance. The next type, solar stars, show hydrogen lines in a subordinate position compared with metallic lines, the sun itself showing only four hydrogen lines, and Capella, the acknowledged pattern of solar stars, owes its extra hydrogen lines in the violet to the companion star spectroscopically discovered by campbell and newall in eighteen ninety nine which belongs to a group between syrian and solar stars of which procyon is an example the calcium absorption is the strong feature of this class and we have already noted its importance in the case of the sun especially in regard to the prominences of the chromosphere the existence of the atmosphere in these stars causes considerable variation from the exact solar type in some members of the group such as arcturus and especially aldebaran aldebaran however approximates to the group of red or antarian stars with banded spectra remarkable for flutings a fluting is a set of lines like the Huggins series of hydrogen, but set very close together, giving a shaded appearance. Of the ten characteristic bands prevalent in this group, and long chemically unknown, Professor Fowler in 1904 identified eight as belonging to titanium or titanium oxide. These bands signify strong absorption and it is this token of a dense atmosphere that distinguishes the group the absorption being due to nine or ten metals of which calcium and iron are the most prominent about one in seven of this class is a variable there is no hard and fast line to be drawn between helium and syrian stars or between syrian and solar so that it is generally surmised that the successive gradations show regular stages of evolution obligatory on all suns 
but between solar stars and red stars the gradation is not so regular there are missing links moreover professor hale considers that the carbon stars of the next class do not represent a stage beyond the anterian but an alternative line of evolution for solar stars hale himself assisted by ellerman succeeded by 1903 in obtaining spectrograms of carbon stars the difficulty caused by their weakness in photographically active rays being at last surmounted by using specially graded isochromatic plates for four successive sections of the spectrum and by exposures ranging up to 24 hours in duration a feature of their results consisted of cyanogen flutings in the blue part of the spectrum they show many lines widened in sunspots but no enhanced lines it is urged against hale's theory of the evolution of carbon stars from solar stars that they are at a much greater distance and on the whole in a different direction since as we have seen they are very uncommon outside the milky way while the opposite is the case with solar stars gaseous stars show bright and dark lines belonging to the same substances the first of this class gamma cassiopeiae having been noted by father secchi in 1866 and soon followed by beta lyrae each showing a few bright hydrogen lines a curious feature of these stars is the fact that the red sea line of hydrogen for instance is sometimes bright and sometimes invisible which although recognized in beta lyrae a known variable as being dependent on the phase of its own light curve is quite as conspicuous in gamma cassiopeiae which is not regarded as a variable in the ordinary sense the wolf rayet stars also gaseous show no variability either of light or spectrum they resemble helium stars to some extent but their helium lines are not conspicuous and their affinity to the nebulae is almost as great as to helium stars so that they are sometimes regarded as an intermediate stage a fundamental difference however being that the persistent bright lines in gaseous stars are one in the blue and one in the yellow while in the nebulae as we have seen these give place to a nebulium line in the green and in spectroscopy yellow and blue do not produce green in the valuable atlas of representative stellar spectra the fruit of many years of devoted labor by sir william and lady huggins which appeared in 1899 a scheme of evolution is given from comparatively cool nebulae growing hotter by degrees through progressive gradual condensation so long as they remain entirely gaseous until a maximum is reached after which continued condensation tends to partial solidification the gaseous constituents become proportionally less the law of compensation becomes less and less applicable and the temperature diminishes some theory is used to start with an enormous temperature but most now agree that this is not only unnecessary but improbable the chief differences between different temperature classifications are caused by the doubt as to which class really represents the hottest stars and which groups belong to the cooling stage and which groups belong to the cooling stage and which to the earlier increase of temperature 
In Lockyer's Meteoritic Hypothesis, published in book form in 1890, after appearing from 1887 onwards in a series of communications to the Royal Society, the evolution was traced from nebulae through seven stages, gaseous, anterian, imperfect solar, Syrian, true solar, carbon, and extinct. This arrangement, suggested before the distinction of helium stars as a separate group, makes Syrian stars the hottest, whereas Huggins' later series actually commences with Sirius. The plausible assumption from terrestrial analogy that white stars are hotter than yellow and yellow than red cannot be enforced, as the quality of the light received from a star is almost entirely controlled by the outer envelopes, which are at a totally different temperature to the interior mass. Other evidence, such as the low density of helium stars, is far more trustworthy, and is regarded as fixing helium stars as the first stage, not only by Huggins, but also by F. McLean, whose survey of the spectra of the bright stars in the northern hemisphere was supplemented by him with an extension to the South Pole, obtained with the Victoria Telescope which he presented to the Cape Observatory in 1897. Lockyer himself has also considerably modified his first order of classification, and now agrees with most other systems in assigning the highest temperature to Orion stars. His latest classification suggests Gamma Argus as a type of the hottest stars, the ascending series starting with Antares, and the descending series ending with Piscean stars, type 19 Piscium, the former series including among other typical steps Aldebaran, Alpha Cygni, and Rigel, while the latter includes Algol, Sirius, Procyon, and Arcturus. Gaps are, however, indicated in both. In the case of unequal double stars, the frequency with which the chief star appears to belong to the solar and the companion to the Syrian type is explained by Miss Clarke on the hypothesis that in giant stars the greater effect of gravitation accelerates the evolution, so that, contrary to expectation, the primary has reached a later stage of development than the secondary. But though there is really no analogy with the solar system to justify this disappointed expectation, the researches of Lewis in the Struve memoir already cited tend to contradict not the explanation, but the actual facts, by showing that the supposed chief star is in reality the secondary in many cases of the kind. As regards the two red groups which, as we have seen, Hale considers to represent alternative tracks of development of solar stars, and which in Lockyer's scheme are of quite opposite tendencies, one rising to one solar type, while the other marks the fall from another, there is little analogy to help us, but the fact that in one class the flutings shade towards the red, and in the other towards the violet, would seem to indicate that one is a case of rising, and the other of falling temperature, were it not for the difficulty of accounting for the presence of compound substances in the earlier stages of evolution. 
the more recent researches of hartmann and eberhardt at potsdam attribute excessive brightness not to transcendent temperature but to electrical luminescence this pronouncement rejecting the assumption involved in the ordinary view of enhanced lines that the spark is hotter than the arc is of considerable importance as emphasizing the impracticability of explaining all types on a temperature basis only dr w e wilson of daramona ireland is another strong opponent of the temperature classification and recent researches of a w claydon on the subject of cloud spheres and photospheres tend to show that similar effects can be produced by diminishing the mass instead of increasing the temperature so that a large hot body might show precisely the same spectrum as a much cooler and less massive one such reasoning would go far to explain the inverted relation of brightness and mass of binary stars referred to by lewis in the strove memoir the great interest and importance of research of this kind will be readily conceived from the most inadequate sketch and it is not surprising that some of the world's greatest telescopes should be employed upon it the first spectroscopic star catalogue was published by fogel at potsdam in eighteen eighty three containing over four thousand stars from one volume of argelander's zones from two degrees south of the equator to twenty degrees north of it in the preparation of the draper catalogue eighteen ninety the instrument used discarded the slit as unnecessary for stars and substituted for the cylindrical lens then used to give width to the spectrum an arrangement by which the star slowly crossed the field of view in a direction parallel to the edge of the prism by which its light was analyzed in eighteen ninety nine the great potsdam thirty one and a half inch refractor was mounted and spectrographs arranged for use with it the bruce spectrograph in conjunction with the forty inch refractor of the yerkes observatory in the hands first of hale and then of e b frost and w s adams was at work about the same time campbell's observations with the mills spectrograph on the thirty six inch lick refractor commenced earlier in eighteen ninety five and the southern extension under w h wright with the new mills spectrograph dispatched for two or three years to santiago chile was installed in nineteen o four other recent installations include a spectrograph employed by v m sliffer in connection with the twenty four inch lowell telescope and an elaborate thermostat to secure uniformity of temperature in the spectroscope attached to the twenty four inch victoria telescope at the cape with so many ardent workers in the field it is not surprising that progress in this comparatively new branch has been rapid we have noted for example that the discoveries of spectroscopic binaries commenced in eighteen eighty nine reached one hundred forty six in nineteen o five and of these more than half were discovered with the mills spectrographs at lick or santiago seventy five to be exact the yerkes observatory which started later claiming forty four moreover 
progress is steadily being made in the direction of obtaining spectra of fainter stars and side by side with this goes on the examination in detail of the spectrum of portions of the only star available for this purpose the sun and with them both the necessary complement of the other branches the spectroscopy of terrestrial substances in the laboratory and with it all vast problems yet remain the more we learn the more there is behind and the more fully is recognized the necessity for cooperation to lessen the waste of time involved in needless overlapping to guard against the omission of sections to ensure that economy with efficiency shall not be a mere parrot cry the principles of the astrographic conference and of the international solar union have already extended into stellar spectroscopy which has not yet seen its jubilee End of chapter 32